Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. This is Doug Doherty. I'm from Sooner Country, Norman, Oklahoma. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha, Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Miss Marsha. Yeah. We're getting into our treasure hunt. Oh boy. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Oh dear. I'd like you, Marsha, to flashback, if you would. When you started out this journey, Marsha, the first chapter is our worldly goods, our treasure hunt. Can you flashback what it was like when you first read, just read the chapter? What were you thinking when you read Exercise 5? That was easy for me, so I didn't have many material things. In fact... I had left all my material things behind, but it also had me thinking about things that I left behind that I wish I had with me. So I did have some moments where I was thinking, wow, why did I leave that behind? That was one of my favorite things, but I left it behind. I was more or less exploring some of the newer things that are in my house right now that I sort of had feelings about even though they hadn't been around me for too long. There's a picture of my grandparents. I remember my childhood and my mom had always had it hung up over the fireplace. And of course, my grandparents are no longer living This is my mom's side of the family. So I did feel that feeling of, wow, Mm. I wish I had gotten to know them better. It was a mixture of many different feelings for me. As you think back, what would you have done differently to prepare for Exercise 5? I would have probably organized some of the things. and put them in some form of organization, or I would have listed all the things that I had. I would have made a list. 
of what I own. There are folks who you may not want to physically have to move all this stuff, or you may not want to simply put post-it notes on things. You can modify Exercise 5 any way you'd like, as long as the outcome, the goal of Exercise 5 is for you to become really aware of what do you have? What does it really mean to you? And as we're getting in touch with what it means to you, then you begin to have a more realistic sense that if something happened to it, you could possibly jeopardize your sense of worth. For example, I'll never forget the time when I was working with a number of people who lived through Hurricane Katrina. There are a couple of people that have kept in touch with me, and even to this day, a decade later, these folks are, for all practical purpose, lost. They lost everything. They lost their home. They lost everything. And because the government didn't do this and that and whatever other stories, they're lost right now. And they have also told me stories about how they've been taken advantage of by other less-than-kind people, thinking that those people were going to help them get some money out of the government or whatever, because their sense of worth is so decayed because they lost all their material goods, they're open to being taken advantage of even more. So my goal with this journey, there's no right or wrong, good or bad, about feeling a way that you feel about something that you have or don't have. It's just getting in touch with those feelings. What I'd like you to explore is the question, first off, what do you think you're going to need to do to prepare for exercise five, meaning time? How much time do you think you're going to block out to doing this? What are you going to do to account for things that may have disappeared or you don't have? Because, Marshall, one of the challenges you had with this exercise is you really didn't have much to go through, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I had more paperwork than anything else. It was ridiculous. And I had to get rid of half the paperwork and make sure I just had what I needed. It was like a nightmare, which tells me something about myself. So when paperwork include your photo album, include the special things, the paintings, and for the less than materialistic folks, think about things that you may have given away. Ultimately, as we conclude our journey on our treasure hunt, is to become more acutely aware of where might be your Achilles heel, where might be some points that if something happened to that beautiful such and such that so-and-so bequeathed to me, or if something happened to that wonderful you see where I'm going with this? Questions? Where are you going with okay. this? Because I've lost everything in my life three or four times. I know not to value anything real material. When I inventory my material stuff, I have essentials. I'm more concerned about feeding myself than material possessions. Ever since I was in my 20s, I don't really have any value to them. I don't own a pair of shoes. I haven't bought a pair of new clothes in... I don't know, 20 years, because it's not necessary. My surfboard, I value it, but it's a tool to keep me in shape. My whole family, I made them sell everything that they own and go down to two suitcases and move to a different country that they didn't speak the language. We've been through this process, and it's interesting to take Pay Me What I'm Worth and look back on the work that we actually physically had to do in taking our physical possessions that we are so attached to and getting rid of them and then feeling so free from not having any of them. To me, I was totally free. No more. I don't have to worry about all that crap in your garage. Woohoo! Yeah, it's a bunch of junk. I go through my stuff. I don't really own anything. A couple surfboards and everything is essential. I know Chris collects stuff because they have value. Music has a lot of value to me. For this exercise, how much time do you think you would need? I don't have a lot to go through because I was in an earthquake once and lost everything. 
I was in California. When I came back to Ohio, three years later, I was in a tornado that took everything. I'm talking about homes and everything. So, a lot of things got destroyed. I never did get back. I don't collect a lot of stuff. My mother did that, and I don't. They used to drive me crazy. I do have mementos of things that happened in my mind, but a lot of the stuff just isn't material anymore. I can't look at it. There's baby pictures of my daughter I no longer have. Pictures of family members, they're gone, because back then we didn't have all this technology so you can throw it up somewhere and then go back and get it later. A lot of things got lost. I only have, I want to say maybe four boxes of things. So it would only probably take me an hour, hour and a half to go through it all. As far as my treasures, my possessions, I don't have a ton of stuff either. The things I really care about, though, are my instruments. Music is very important to me because I've been playing guitar since I was 16. So for about 10, 11 years now. This may seem funny, but I've been playing video games quite a lot, too, and I've been collecting them. I don't play them as much anymore because I'm working on personal development more. I have some video games and some computers. Some of my electronics and my guitars are my most prized material possessions. My birds, they comfort me. They wake me up. They're sort of my alarm clocks. If I lost them, my musical instruments, my electronics, I would be a whole different person. I don't think I'd be a very happy person or a very inspired person to do what I'm doing now. not saying I'm contingent on my existence for those things. They serve different purposes. My music inspires me. My birds are there to comfort me. I work on these computers, like I'm on my computer now for the call, and I use them to create an income online. So all these things are pivotal to my existence. I haven't really lost anything, so it's difficult for me to actually express loss of losing these material things when I haven't. In 2010, I decided I needed to sell my house and go to a retirement place, which I did, and it pushed me in a way because I had my home paid for, but I was getting to where I was not able to maintain it in the way it should be maintained. I did have to get rid of a lot of things that I valued, and some things I didn't have any choice. They had a yard sale, and I was not allowed to go to the yard sale. I don't know what happened to a lot of the things. They were not sold. They were just, I guess, given away to whoever they wanted to give them to. That wasn't very pleasant. And then when I got to the retirement place, I realized that I didn't want to be there, so I checked myself out. And... (laughs) I haven't collected much since then of material possessions. My piano, I still have my music and all that I recorded where I played the piano, but I no longer can play now because of my hands, muscle atrophy. So I have the CDs and things that I had recorded that I can listen to, pictures, and a few things that I had when my son was a baby, like baby clothes and things that I've saved and brought with me. I don't really have any feelings about that now because most of the things I lost were the things that were really important. Of course, I wouldn't want to lose the things I have now, the pictures and all. I guess I don't put as much emphasis on material things anymore. My health and friends and people are more important. For me, because I didn't bring much when I came over to Boston from Hawaii, I only had a couple of suitcases and brought a few things, but it's funny because when I think about the things that I wish I had brought, one of the objects that would have been small enough to put into a suitcase, it was really something that I cherished, but I couldn't bring it with me anyways because it got stolen, and that really made me mad. I mean, I was upset. I had this beautiful crystal, and I'm not talking about glassware or jewelry. It was a real crystal stone that a friend gave to me. 
and it fit in the palm of my hand, and it was the centerpiece because when the sunlight hit it, you would see all the beautiful colors, the prism of colors. And at night, when you looked at it, it looked like a piece of art. You were looking at a crystal garden or a winter wonderland. Mother Nature carved that out, and it was so beautiful. But every time I think about what my favorite things were, that always comes to mind for me. That's one thing I wish I had. But as far as anything else material, I'm not very materialistic. I like to have my home a little bit nice and neat and cozy, but that's about it. I don't need expensive things. I used to have a car. I don't have a car because I do not want to drive around Boston. This is a place where you just take public transportation and you're fine. I think we become less materialistic when we realize that time is our most important asset. Unless somebody owns a time machine, which if you do, please invite me over. But (laughs) as far as I know, nobody does. So time, since you cannot get that back, has to be our most important asset because you can get almost everything back. Very true. I was asking other groups, what surprised you about this exercise? Anybody care to share some bullet points about what surprised you? Yeah, I got one. What surprised me was the number of times I found myself writing the word gratitude. And it blew me away because I was like, where's all this gratitude coming from? And I was like, well, I've kind of been practicing that. Wow, it's really my life now. It's like one of those aha moments of clarity that came up for me when I realized how many times on those post and notes I wrote gratitude. And wow. <laughs> Other surprises? Well, for me, since I downsized from a two-bedroom to a one-bedroom apartment, I thought I got rid of a lot of stuff when I moved, but I still find that I still have to declutter even more. It seems like it's never-ending, so I'm still in the process of having to do more decluttering. It seems like I still have too much stuff. It surprises me how much stuff I continue to have. Even though I've cleaned out certain stuff, I have more stuff. The process. (laughs) It is. That it is. At times it can feel a bit daunting, eh? Yes. I've got to get rid of some Christmas around the world stuff. It's old stuff. The stuff doesn't even work anymore. I'll get rid of that and maybe I'll get some new things for the holiday season. Aha. Which brings up a conversation we had last time. Remember how we were saying that once you clean something out, you've got that space and it's tempted to fill it back up again, right? Yes, I remember that. So here's a challenge for you all. Leave it empty. See what naturally shows up. No forced shopping or buying or whatever. Just leave it empty. Create the space for something else just to magically appear. Wow, there's a car in my driveway now. Cool. Wow, I got a million dollars. Boy, that would be nice. (laughs) When I went through the exercise, Soul, it really amazed me. There are so many things that I have that if they were to get lost or if they were to get stolen, I probably wouldn't even know that it happened because I haven't Mm. used them in so long. That's powerful. One of the things that you can play with as you do this exercise is do what I call a genealogy of something. In some cultures, some furniture makers, one of the things that they do is they create this teeny tiny little scroll and they tuck this little scroll inside a little metal sheathed. It's generally out of public view. But what the scroll is meant to be is something like a deed of a house, such that it would be applied to a dresser or a bed or a chair or something very well made. And the goal of the scroll is to document who 
bought it, who sold it to who. It has life. It has its own genealogy. And that genealogy comes with relationships. It reminds people of relationships, right? Yes. Yes. If you were to sit in any room of your home and you stop to think of all the relationships that you're sitting in, whether you know the people or not, whether you bought that fabulous something or other from the local department store and you have no idea where it came from or who made it, it did come from somewhere and someone did make it. So do you understand that every room we sit in, every room that I sit in, is packed with relationships, known and unknown. Was that a bit too esoteric? I call it enlightened. I'm esoteric. (laughs) (laughs) I found myself doing a lot of that. I found a picture book. It was like a picture book, history book that my mom put together back in the year 2000. And she did one for myself and my five big brothers and sisters. She did the same book, meticulously handwritten, and put in unique pictures to us and also some history. I poured through that genealogy. I poured through from when she was a baby to her late 40s, watched, observed the change like I'm observing it, watching a movie. That was profound. Whew, that was emotional. <laughs> so when I had a private conversation between the two of us uh, right after that experience for me, and you know, I said, this is kicking my butt. This is just kicking my, you know, my behind in a big way. <laughs> and that was one of the experiences I had that just really was so emotional. It was, uh, it was interesting. My aunt, she was a seamstress, and she sewed such beautiful clothes. These clothes that she sewed they are still being handed down from one generation to the next. Honestly, it is so wonderful to see my niece in something that I wore, that my mom wore, that she has on, and that is part of the family lineage where my aunt had that special talent and that she sewed that dress. It's pretty cool. Well, Marcia, as usual, you're reading my mind. For our next breakout session, I'd like each of you to share. I want you to recall one item that you are quite fond of. Think of one item that you're quite fond of. And share with your small group team. Why are you fond of it? And what types of relationships are involved with it? Meaning, for example, maybe you're fond of a diploma. Well, what does that diploma mean? What are the relationships involved with that diploma? Decisions, decisions. I can't decisions. think of just one item. Oh, I got one. <laughs> All right. So while David is sharing his one, you've got a little lead time, Chris. Lead time, you guys, to kind of think it up and get find something that, as Getty Lee would say, closer to the heart. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. My most prized possession is my computer. And the reason why it is is because it's become my lifeline to amazing people that I respect and love like each of you. And it's also my connection to, and it's the reason I have a life that I love. It's because I get to do what I love and love what I do. And so a lot of my life revolves around that that home computer. (laughs) People have suggested to me, why don't you just go get a laptop? Then you can go from coffee shop to coffee shop. And I'm like, yeah, not so much. I'm good because uh, this is my baby and she takes care of me. And the the relationships are endless. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Facebook friends. Over 7,000 Twitter followers. I mean, the reach that hundreds and hundreds of people I would call good friends and that I feel I know on a very, very personal level. And it's all because of that home computer. All because I can be connected to the rest of the world and be right here in my living room. I start to look at all the things that are physical possessions 
and I went through them, and which ones do I value and why? One item you're fond of. Uh, so I was trying to figure out what item am I fond of that really, like, it turns me on. And if someone took it away from me, I'd be like, ah, I couldn't find anything that I really want to possess and hold like that. And the only thing that I could really come up with was me, I, myself, is the most important thing that I possess is my spirit and my ability to love and to live free as I do now. All the other superficial things in my life that are toys and gadgets and, and all these other things, they mean really nothing to me. Even your surfboard? I don't need a surfboard. I went through that today and I thought to myself that I can just swim and body surf. All I need is love and a wave. You know? Oh, wow. So now I don't value my surfboards. I mean, I, the oh, first Rick, surfboard I got awesome. here uh, was $10 from the dump. And I surfed on it for uh, two years. $10 wow. on the dump. Well, everyone else was surfing on $1,000 surfboards. And right I was here. catching lots of waves, too, bro. So that, that's All right. On. But that's I really love yours. That was so cool. Thousands of people, Twitter followers, a spider web of people I that love you. I wouldn't have some of my very, very best friends for life if it weren't for that connection. So that begs the question then, David, if something happens to your computer, what happens to you? Well, that's interesting because it has happened. I know where my local library is. <laughs> and I also know when it gets down and dirty, I know how to raise the funds to make it happen again for me. Isn't that interesting? So in other words, you've got everything backed up seven ways from Sunday. Yep. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Wise uh, man. Yeah, but no, I mean, I've had that experience where what would I do if it went up in flames and it has before? Cheryl, what about you? We're giving Chris plenty of lead time here. Let's see. I guess my one item that I'm fond of (laughs) would be my sewing machine. Because you make things for people with love, and they receive love from you making them. That's why. That's why you love it so much. It's like your gift machine. It's like your love machine. <laughs> you made two quilts for babies, and you spent your own money, your own time, hours and hours of time, and your own money sending it to them. It's the love machine. That's why. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. Uh, those, are, those are lucky babies. Yep, they are <laughs> lucky babies. And you made birthday presents for the people that were staying with us just yesterday. <laughs> I make lots of things with my sewing machine with love. I guess that's the relationship I have with it and everything else. I have for years and years. I can feel that what I make shelters them and helps them. So I guess that's special to me. I just love making stuff for people anyway. So your material prize possession is a conduit to expressing your love. I love it. Exactly, exactly, yes, exactly. And my other one, my mixer. I make Uh bread and make things for people, so that's the exact same thing, yes, exactly. (laughs) There you go. Time for Chris, and then I got another interesting little flip on this question. (laughs) not me. I don't want to go. Can I just take the zero? My music center, my audio center. If I couldn't listen to metal every day, I'd probably go insane. It's definitely my stereos. Well, I have an audio center with a vinyl player, a cassette player, and a CD player because my collection spans across vinyl, tapes, and CDs, so definitely my audio center. And, of course, the most important people in my life, my mom and my girlfriend. And I relate my love for metal to the way I love my girlfriend, my mom, and my animals. I think what it is, is the spiritual and the effect that music has on me. And the fact that the artist works so hard and puts so much of themselves into music like that. I feel a very strong connection with them as people, based on their ideas and perceptions of what it's like to be human and some of the issues of the world and different emotions and things like that. It all relates back to the same source, which is me. And I value myself very highly because I've managed to stand against conformity and being told what to do and how to think. I've managed to have a strong sense of self from a very young age and a lot of confidence. 
Which was all part of that, through the music, because I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I am very reclusive for the most part, so I keep a very small circle of friends, but I call them brothers. I think that integrity and that strength that I got through music has really shaped me into what I am today, along with personal development and, and learning and growing as much as I can about myself. Which feeds perfectly into flipping this around. Oh boy, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Flipping it around. So I guess the easiest example here, Cheryl, your sewing machine and your mixer are tools that you use to create things to give to people that you love to share your love, right? Yes. To flip it around, imagine then each of those items being a portal to love. Chris, music is a portal to love. Your surfboard is a portal to love. Your computer is a portal to love. As you think of those portals flowing back to you, Cheryl, if every single person you've made something for, if you stopped in a moment and took a deep breath and just envisioned the hundreds of people that you've made something for and just tap in for a second all the love that they have for you, balancing, giving with receiving. Even just the last quilt that I made is overwhelming. The amount of love Mm -hmm. I received from that is overwhelming. For her to receive, yeah. Yeah, for me to receive. Yep. It's just outstanding. It's great. Absolutely, I do not do it for that. I just give my love in my work freely without expecting anything back, but I do receive a lot of love back, yes. Yep. Do you let it soak in is the question. Do you allow that love that's rippling back soak in? I haven't in the past, but I'm learning to better now because I can see how much people appreciate it. I appreciate that they appreciate it. Yeah. David, if you allowed every single Twitter follower, every single connection on your hard drive, taking a deep breath, closing your eyes, and just imagining them all circling you right now, applauding you, Standing ovation, thunderous standing ovation for being part of their circle. Do I have to talk? It's so overwhelming, so overwhelming. Rick, as you think about the power of that surfboard that's skimming across the largest organic item Gaia has, water. That water connects us all to everything, everywhere. True? Yes, we're all water. So as you're using that surfboard to stay above the water just enough to do what you love doing, surfing, feeling we love back from Gaia, I have to assume that's one of the reasons why you surf is because you feel that love coming back to you from our Mother Earth, yeah? got that right. And I've been pounding it into the ground and sharing it with the earth and the universe my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, every time you tune in to a really awesome song and it gets your energy pumping. Oh, boy. It gets you connected. When you stop and think of everybody that was involved in creating that song, everybody from the artists to the writers to the people who made the instruments that not only yeah. got played but recorded. Oh, yeah the truck drivers that got the CD from the shop to ripple it out. That's right. Or the vinyl or cassette. I mean, vinyls, I have a deep appreciation for analog because in a day where everything's just downloading and right there, vinyl and cassette factories are becoming rarer and rarer. And that's why I'm into the underground because that's where that spirit still remains, where analog remains very strong in black and death metal because... The goal of that music is not to get famous or make money. It's for expression. So the fact that I'm part of that and supporting that is very, very spiritual too and powerful. I also forgot to tell you guys that I also make music. I have a guitar and drums. So music is definitely my pipeline to the Alpha and the Omega.
for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I want to say something to David and to Chris that I really love and appreciate you guys. And you guys are some ballsy dudes, man, that come on this line and share your life and open your hearts and your minds and say how you really feel. I really have a lot of respect for both of you. Thank you. Well, here's the thing I've learned about the Internet. If you're not real and honest, no one's going to give a shit about what you're doing. Bingo. You got that screen to hide behind, right? So you got to be real or... That would be like me putting on a suit and tie and all that just to go on camera, and then later they see me in my regular metal shirts and all my jewelry. Well, then I'm lying, because that's not really who I am. Let's have some takeaways. What were your ahas tonight? Tonight my aha was, as far as my material things, I realized that my memory is really all I have of much of my material world. I think my memory is one prized possession that I have. And people in my life are important more so than material things. I was going to say, after you've been in a big disaster, hurricane stuff, and had to leave just about everything and not know if you were coming home to it or not, that you realize that you value more the people in your lives and the memories and the things that could be physically taken away at any moment. So that would be my takeaway, and I'll give it to Rick. Wonderful. Thank you. Mine was every time that I get with this group, I feel the love and the cohesiveness and the non-judgmental of the environment that's been created here. I really get more respect for everyone that's going through this process. It's starting to open me up more and make me a better person. So I really appreciate everybody for having such patience and diligence. I just love everyone in the group. Thank you. Ah, my face is once again wrinkling up a smile. Thank you, Rick. Mahalo. Chris. Oh, boy. Just the fact that I know I'm where I need to be. I know I'm going where I need to go with the show and with all of you guys and this course. You guys are like freaks. I love all of you because I can't deal with sheep. I can't be around sheep, man. I need to be around wolves. I can't be around sheep because I'm not a sheep. Just hold our freak flag high and let it fly, man, because those are the people that I connect with. So thanks a lot, guys. Wow, it's been a long time since I've been called a freak. Woohoo! <laughs> I love it. We'll pass this to Freak Shirley next. Hey, Freak Shirley. Well, I don't know if I'm a freak. I think I'm more of a lamb myself. <laughs> <laughs> I did say wolves, too. I did say wolves. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, wolves like to go after lambs. <laughs> but anyway, material things are fine. I've lost a lot of material things. When I go back and think about some of them, it's really sad, and I'm not going to go over that again because I already did that once. You can lose things, and as long as you have your memory and you can remember everything, then you're all right. If anything ever happened to my memory, it would just kill me (laughs) because a lot of memories are in there, and I can't go back. Nowadays, you've got the Internet, and you've got all this stuff where you can throw pictures up there, and you can go back and get them if something happens. And that wasn't the case back in my day because there was no computer or Internet or anything. So once you lost something, it was lost, unless you could go down to the courthouse and and get papers and stuff like that that you've lost. But as far as pictures that you really, really like and held with high regard, and then you lose them, it's really sad. So everybody should be grateful for the Internet now, because now you can take your pictures and throw them to there. You can take them to Walgreens, (laughs) put them on their site, you can put them out, you can put them everywhere. Thanks to the NSA, all your phone calls are recorded, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Make me more paranoid. (laughs) (laughs) Make you more paranoid. Shirley, you're bringing up a point that is really key to our journey and worth decay. A lot of times when people lose their most valued possessions, their sense of worth is diminished. So part of our journey with this first chapter, helping everybody to get in touch with where are your weak spots. And it's okay to have a weak spot. As long as you're aware of what the weak spot is, that's great. A lot of times my weak spots, when I'm not aware of them, boom, that's when my sense of worth takes the biggest hit, you know? Yeah. That leads me right into my aha tonight. You can burn down my house. You can chop my computer up into pieces. You can wipe my memory clean. 
but the one thing that could never be taken away is my heart. And my heart gets to express because I have a soul, and that soul is infinite. My takeaway tonight is that the greatest gift I have is the gift that all of us have, which is being able to express through that heart and being able to receive what comes back. And that's my takeaway tonight. Wow. Yum. Nice. I like that, David. <laughs> like I said, fly your flag. Darn right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, free thinkers Good. are dangerous, right? There you go. <laughs> All right. To that brother, Freaky Kareem. My takeaway is looking at my life experience. That even though you can accumulate material things, they do not define you as a person. I'm not defined by my income, my car. Though I enjoy my guitars and my birds, I'm not defined by them. I'm defined by what I can do for other people and what's in me, what's in my soul, what's in my heart. I think the most important thing for me is to spend the time on this earth the way I want to and to spend my money on experiences instead of material items. And by experiences, I mean traveling. I mean going to experience different cultures. That would be the most important thing. Yeah. I don't want to die without seeing how the rest of the world works. Wait. Of course, you just realized you've just destroyed the entire merchandising system. The whole monetary collapse is going to be your fault. <laughs> cool. Sounds fun. <laughs> Think about this. If, as we become more conscious of our things, and as we become conscious of the volume of things, if we all consumed less on things and more on people, what type of shift globally do you think would start happening? I think people would experience life more. It would actually cause a problem because I would leave the corporate world forever and I would start traveling and traveling. If more and more people did that, and I'm just speaking from my sense, it would cause, like you're saying, a collapse in the system we currently have of work nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I am aiding that collapse by helping each of you think about the fact that we can earn what we need to earn to do what we need to do. But when I stop and think of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people stuck in traffic jams day in and day out because they have in their head they need to drive a certain car and live in a certain house, hmm, at the end of the day, when the last breath is taken, it is those relationships we remember, Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. It's a good point, Kareem. Very good point. Traveling, meeting people, experiences. I definitely on board with that. Thank you. Mr. Dorty. What I came up with in this, because I hadn't gone through most of my items yet, and I came up with a couple, though, and I realized that there's a couple things I have that are really, really, really sentimental that I can't imagine doing without or letting go of. And then there's my laptop that was something I could not do without. And not because it's important, but because everything on it is. Because I use it every day and I track my life with it. That's how I organize and store things. That's how I know where to find what I'm looking for. But talking about what happened if it was gone, it's like, well, I got carbonite for the backup, and I just find our computer and download it all back on her. So. <laughs> <laughs> But when I was thinking about this, one of the things I really thought of was I've been one of these travelers my whole life. I mean, I've very rarely stayed anywhere very long. I've left entire household uh, furniture in different states and just took off with my car and, and left and started over new somewhere. One of the things I realized is that I, there's very, very few possessions that I actually value. But what I do value, and this is very obvious when you look around my house because I have so many little things all over the place. But it's not because I value the things. It's because I value whatever memory is attached to them. Every now and then we'll go through and we'll sweep the house and just get rid of stuff. But there's always stuff my wife pulls out and says, what's this? Something I may not have pulled out of the closet for 10 years. But as soon as I see it, a memory pops in. Uh-huh. And those are the kind of things that I don't want to get rid of because I'm afraid I may lose the memory. 
I just thought of that, and I'm looking around my office here, and I have so much stuff. None of it means anything. Really. But it's all there. But then in the closet, there's a box of stuff that I haven't even looked at in three years. But I know in that box, there's stuff that's going to remind me of something that's important to remember. So it's going to be a real challenge going through and trying to do this exercise, and it's going to take some time. Once again, when you're feeling daunted about this exercise, just stop. Remember one of our ground rules, if it's not feeling comfortable, right? Absolutely. And I realize that Carl is playing a little bit of catch-up, but Carl, you must have had a take it away from this evening's conversation. What popcorn for you? What I gained out of it is I gained a lot of strength in relationship because I guess more likely I base a lot of my thought patterns on how others feel rather than my own self. And so I wind up at the end of the day, I says, well, what did I do for me? And I find myself in that bad habit of doing that. I put others before I put myself. And I've done that for so long. It's just an old, old habit. I'm trying so hard to break, but it's one of those habits that you have to just say, stop it. I'm not going to be that person. But once you try not to be that person, you feel like something's missing. You've created a paradox kind of leaves me mixed up in which way is the right way and now I'm recently finding out that the right way is for myself first because I never did love myself and I'll be the first to admit it until I started learning that that was something I was supposed to do. It's just an automatic. That's what I took out of this is I guess I let things go and I let people walk over me and it's my own fault. So, Carl, is it safe to say that as of August 5th, 2015, the first name on the list is Carl? Yes? Yes. You have 11 other witnesses to that, Carl. And I love every one of them. So, Carl, when you need affirmation, you agree to reach out for that affirmation to this team, yes? Yes, definitely. Is there anybody on this team, before we get to Cindy's takeaway, is there anybody on this team who can relate to what Carl's saying? Anybody else put their name last on the list? I'm happy to be there for him. Hey, Sol, I used to have that problem as well. I used to have low self-esteem and think my value was below zero, like the temperatures outside. I had a really hard time in high school, especially being labeled as a nerd or a geek, whatever you want to call it, and I didn't put much value into my abilities at all. It just took a lot of personal development on my part and believing in myself to put myself from the last of the list to the top of the dining order. There you go. Thank you, Kareem and Doug. That was awesome. Folks thank you for all the hard work you're doing. Marsha? Yes? You know all too well what they are about to go through. For the next two weeks, you're on a treasure hunt. What words of wisdom do you want to give team seekers as they continue to wear that hat of explorer on this treasure hunt? Again, let's go back to the ground rules and let's not be hard on ourselves. Let's remember, we don't need to criticize our feelings or our thoughts. We don't need to be that judge about our thoughts or feelings. We're just there to explore them. If something is too difficult at that moment that you choose an object and it's very difficult for you, then step away from it. Step away from it, but at least you learn something about that particular object that maybe it's giving you a little pain, and then maybe later you'll be able to explore it. Be kind to yourself. Be good to yourself. Just continue exploring who you are. It's funny because to explore ourselves, we shouldn't be afraid to explore our thoughts or feelings. It's kind of strange to say, I'm afraid to explore something because it's going to cause pain or it might cause great joy even, which is great. And either way, it's life. Let's experience life and see what comes of it.
beautiful. It was awesome. Deep breath. Enjoy this treasure hunt. Said, oh, it was a lot of fun for me because I knew that I would just have so much to talk about. I really enjoyed this a lot. Keep journaling. Your treasure hunt is not over. It's nope. just starting, folks. We'll find even more treasures. <laughs> That's the fun part about doing the whole commenting back. All right, Marsha, in gratitude, I bow to you once again for helping assemble some just amazing people that we now know as Team Seekers. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.